Um, so today we're at the end of this series. This is the last message in our summer series, Summer at South Point. This entire series has one, one goal, is to help us through all these different subjects and topics we've been talking about, to help us be motivated, inspired, moved by God, to follow God's spirit better in our life. That's where we get from where we are to where God wants us to be. We follow God's spirit there. We get there in our personalities, in our careers, in our homes, in every area of our life. And uh, that's been our goal. So today I'm going to switch it up just a little bit. Uh, that's still the goal. But what I'm going to give you is kind of a summary of it all. And if you have your orange bulletin, there's some notes in there for you. You'll see that the title of the message today is called My Prayer for You. This is my prayer for you. And actually, when we started this series, I had a point that was my prayer for you. It was one of the points in the message, and that really spurred me on to this message today. It really thought, what is my prayer? What's my ultimate prayer? If we're going to spend 10 weeks talking about something, if you guys are here for 10 weeks, want to hear from the message, hear from God's word, what is it that our goal is? And I just want to take a few minutes today in the message and describe that to you. While you're turning out, we also have it on, on version. You can go and follow along. The notes are actually already filled in on version. It's kind of a cheat sheet. You can fill it in. But what's great about the version? if you go to events, the Bible app, if you go to events and you find us, usually we're the first one because it goes by location, you can actually type in your own notes at below each point, and then at the end of the message, just send them to yourself, and you can keep them for yourself all the time. don't have to have a hard copy. So I love that. I love the way that works. So if you have your uh, notes or your Bible app or whatever it is, um, grab them. And let me just say one other thing. I'm just glad you're here today because of this message, because as this message developed over the last couple of months, um, I really felt like it's one of those that way supersedes me. This is what God is wanting to speak to us, and uh, I'm all ears with you today. Does that sound good? Fantastic. Let me read you a verse that we're going to take everything off of today. It's Ephesians chapter 1. This is Paul wrote this letter to the church at Ephesus. So that's what Ephesians is. It's a letter, actually, a big long letter written to a group of believers like us who are trying to learn how to follow God's spirit. And Paul says this in the very beginning of his letter. He says it like I would say it. He says this, I keep asking that the Lord our God, the Lord Jesus, or the Lord of our God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Let me just pause there for a second. Let me just say that's, that's always, I think, a pastor's heart, whether it's Paul's or mine. That's, that's our heart, that whatever we would speak about, whatever scripture I try to take out of God's word and uh, unpack is only going to help you get wiser and more clear in your understanding of your relationship with Jesus. Amen? That, that's the goal for this whole series, but really that's the goal for every week, is that you take a nugget or a piece of that and say, that applies to me. That helps me to understand who I am and where I'm going in Christ. Let's keep going. So it says, so that, and here are a list of basically four things that Paul wants from them. That's what we're going to talk about today. That you may know him better. That's one. That's probably the most important. I think he puts them in order of these four, that you may know him better. The second one is, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened may be enlightened. The eyes of your heart. Now, we all understand he's not talking about your blood pumping muscle, right? Not that heart. Because you don't have eyeballs on your heart. Wouldn't that be super cool? That would save the doctors a lot of time, wouldn't it? I'm just going to close these eyes. I'm open the eyes of my heart. I'm looking around. There's nothing wrong, doc. I'm going home. Right? Wouldn't that be cool? Is that only me that thinks of those things, right? It's all right. Pray for me. What, what he's talking about there is what drives us. 
that our heart is our, our gut, that the internal drive. And what he's saying is, I'm praying that your eyes will be clear, enlightened. I, I don't want any junk in your life. I'm praying that as you go through life, as you so so if number one is to know him better, the second one would be so as you know him better, that you don't have a bunch of junk in your life keeping you from knowing him better. Right? That's, that's, that's what he said. As you drive forward, that your drive is not messed up by the things in the world, that, that your first and foremost pursuit is after him and let him direct you and guide you in life. So the second one is that I pray that your eye, the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that, so he connects it again, that you may know the hope to which he has called you. That's the point that I'm making, that, that once our eyes are clear, once our eyes are enlightened and we understand hey, my real purpose in life is what God's calling me to, right? may not be playing baseball or football in high school or college. There's so many, you know, guys that think because we're talented in an area that that's what God's called you to. That's just the vehicle that God's using to get you to your purpose, which is following him, right? Which is sharing your faith with the rest of the world, which is being the light. So that's what he's saying is I want your eyes to be enlightened so that... You can take the next step, and you can fully understand what God's calling you to do in this world. Isn't that good? And the last part is this. In which he's called you, here it is, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Let me tell you, we talk about this a lot at South Point, but that decoration out there on the wall is not a decoration. It's a proclamation. That love God and love people, that's what it's all about. And that's what Jesus is saying. Listen, first of all, know him. Second of all, understand that your purpose in life involves other people. Amen? Isn't that good? Sometimes I wish that I could just shave my head, put on a bathrobe, and hang out on the mountain all the time and study God's word. I'm that kind of guy. Because there are people that do that, and that's great. But I want to tell you, according to what I read thousands of times in Scripture, I can't complete God's purpose without including other people in my life. I can't do it by myself. And it stretches me, and it pushes me, and it changes me to be more like him because that's what he did. Now, if that was kind of broken up, I'm going to read it all at once in the message version, which is a paraphrase version. I want to let you listen to that same verse, Ephesians 1, 17 through 19. And it says this, I ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him. Everybody say personally. Mm, that's good, isn't it? Knowing him personally. Your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what he is calling you to do and grasp the immensity of his glorious way of life he has for you. Listen, you hear it at South Point, we, we talk about throughout, maybe throughout the month, multiple times, that what's your next step? At the end of our messages, sometimes we'll say, let's pray for our next step. What, where, wherever God has us now, what's our next step? Growing in Him, understanding our purpose, understanding our gifts, understanding what He's calling us to do, and taking part in what really, really, really fulfills us, living for Him, fulfilling our life through Him. So today, we're gonna, I'm going to break these down. Each of these, and you see, if you're taking notes, they're, they're two for each point. There's the point, one of these four, but then there's our step, our action step. Because listen, can I just tell you, if, if we're going to invest 10 weeks in a series that's all about following, how about at the end of it we have some steps that maybe in this room that everybody could find one of these four steps that we could actually take that would just assist us in taking another step in our faith. Wouldn't that be good? If you walk out of here today and you go, hey, this is my next step, 
I'm believing God's calling me to do this. That would be a fulfillment of the week right there. That'd be good enough. So let's jump in real quick. So the first one, this is the easy one that he said, so that you may know him better. So the first one is knowing God. This is my prayer for you. My prayer for you is that ultimately out of everything, that you would walk out of here each and every Sunday, that you would go to work each and every Monday, that you would visit your family each and every evening, whatever the situation is, and that you in that situation would know God. And what scares me is situations that I've been in where I thought I knew God and I didn't know God. You, you have heard my story that I, I got saved in 1993. It gave my life to Jesus radically in 1993, March 93. But what I've told a couple of times since I've been here, I actually started the church for a few weeks in 91 because I got in a whole bunch of trouble in college. I got put on academic probation. I got in all kinds of just, oh, you want to live with no rules kind of trouble. And I, my cousin had just moved there, and he's a youth pastor at this little church. And I said, I'm going to go to church because you go to church and you get fixed, right? But how many of you know if you just pull the car up at the mechanic shop and don't let them get under the hood or don't get inside or don't get under it, there's nothing that can happen. You got to get in there a little bit. And it wasn't a few weeks later that I thought, okay, cool. Jesus straightened me up. I'm good. And I quit going to church because you don't live at the mechanic shop, right? That was my mentality. And so it wasn't a couple of weeks later, and I'm right back in it all because I did not know him. Listen to what it says. It's got a story just like that in Matthew 7. It says this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That really messed me up because that's what I did. I came to church in 91 and said, hey, Lord, Lord, right? I need you. All these things they're talking about, the pastor, my cousin, I want all of those things. I want you to fix me. But he goes on. But only he who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform miracles? How many would like to do all of those things at some time? Wouldn't it be great if something like that needed? I'd love to be able to perform a miracle. All right, God's watching. Just three of us raised our hands, so none of y'all are getting it, all right? You have to jump on that. One more time. Yes, I'll tell them, Lord. All right, one more time. Yeah, I want that. You know, I still pray for that. I've never prayed for somebody and their arm grew back or raised them from the dead or their pocket filled up with cash or anything like that. But can I tell you, that doesn't stop me a lick from praying for it. Pray for it all the time. Even those people, which I haven't been able to do yet, even those will say, Lord, Lord, did we not do these miraculous things? And then I will say to them plainly, I never knew you. The proof is in the pudding, isn't it? It, it, Many people know many people. I I know our president. Everybody know our president? He doesn't know me, right? I can email him all day, text him all day. I have tweeted him a few times. You could tweet him. (laughs) We're not getting political. We're just going to move on, all right? But what I'm saying is he doesn't know me. There's, There's a big difference. But my wife, she knows me better than anybody in this room. We spent time together. We were strangers when we met. Did you know that? One of our milestones was just just within the last couple of years, we were talking about, hey, I've known you more than half your life now. You've lived with me longer than you lived with your parents. Those are some milestones because those kind of dictate and judge how much we know each other. And that's what's important in our relationship with God, not to just know this. This will do nothing for you except really confuse you and make you think that you're fixed. I, I went to the mechanic shop today. 
But Paul said in Ephesians 1, my goal, first and foremost, is that you don't just know Jesus on Facebook, but that you know his heart. Because when you get your heart connected with him, he'll, he'll guide you in every good thing in this life. He'll guide you through the bad stuff because we're all going to face it, right? You're on this planet more than a few minutes. You're going to face bad stuff. God will guide you through that. He'll help you through that. Anybody want to do the bad stuff alone? Okay, good. Yeah. I thought you were raising your hand, Josh. I was fixing to jump down there and pray for you. First John 2, 3 says this. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The proof's in the pudding, in it? That's how we know if we know him. If I'm living by his ways, if I'm following him, if his spirit says, hey, Scott, that's not good for you to do, stop doing that. Okay, I'll stop doing that. If his spirit leads me into something, hey, let's go this direction. Why don't you step out in this way? Why don't you do this? And I say, okay, I'm scared or I'm nervous. I don't understand, but I'm going to do that because I have found that the greatest way to know him is to follow him. Amen? So my action step that I have in there would be your next step. If you say, you know what, I, I want to know him, and the very next step would be to be baptized in water. Very next step. Jesus was baptized. His followers were baptized. And one of the greatest stories in Acts chapter 2, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. I like to call that. Baptism is kind of like the wedding ring of Christianity. You know, it's not my commitment. This isn't my marriage. This just lets you all know that I'm committed, right, that I'm serious about this. Put a ring on it, baby, right? Y'all with me? And when you, when you step into this tank and this whole section over here, you know, three or four rows is your family and friends and they're rooting you on, it's letting them know that I'm serious about this. It's, I'm not just attending. I'm, I'm going to know this Jesus. Amen? That's my next step. The second one is this. He says that you're, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Or in the message verse, he said, focused and clear. So how about we find freedom? Whew, I'm going to park my boat right here for just a minute. Because finding freedom is why Jesus came. Jesus said, I have come to set you free. I don't want you to be bound anymore by the junk of this world. I want to set you free. I want you to know me, but I don't want you to continue going around and around and around with the same things. I want to set you free. Things that you dealt with. It was funny because we were just talking out in the lobby. I was talking to a couple out in the lobby before service, and we were talking about, um, we were talking about, Growing in our faith, I'll just I'll just use that example, and how one of them still struggled when they did this certain activity. They struggled with their faith a little bit. They struggled not losing their temper and stuff. And I said, you know, we our refrigerator we've had, and I have both my kids in service with me today, so it's a good story. Our refrigerator we've had, I don't know, six or eight years, something like that. And and maybe two weeks ago, we were walking through, and my wife said, hey, you notice this? This refrigerator doesn't have any knuckle prints on it. Yeah, y'all swallow that for a minute. Because, you know, 16, 18 years ago, I walked by our refrigerator in our old house and was frustrated with something. I said, man, I cannot believe. Whoops. And just that frustration from, you know, and you've heard my story growing up that way, attacking everything that frustrated me, made me mad. And it was such a good reminder the other day, just joking about it, going, yeah, we don't have any. Holes in the walls have been repaired. No, no door. We have all of our doors. Like, what kind of animal was that? Well, that, that, that was an animal without Jesus. And although it took me 23 years to, to grow into that person, it didn't take me that long to grow out of it. And the reason I share that with you is because 
God wants freedom for us, not a ticket into heaven, so to speak. He wants that, but he wants freedom for us. The, you understand what he's, our prayer is, our prayer, the Lord's prayer, what he teaches us that is, your will come, your will be done on earth just like it's done in heaven. And listen, I don't want any sin to keep any of us out of heaven, but here's what's great, the great part of this, I don't want any sin to keep us from heaven on earth either. Amen? I don't have any more arguments in my family about me losing my temper. Kids, can I get an amen? Get off your phones and amen me. <laughs> I'm joking. This is Luke's last day before he goes to college with us, so I'm going to try not to break down and cry after saying that. But I'm totally serious. We... My kids in their later teenage years, they haven't seen that. They don't experience that. That's grown past that. That's, that's something I've fought really hard for. I've seen it in my family. I don't want that junk in me. I want to be free, free from it. I'll get passionate about that. And that's what Jesus said. Listen, I didn't come to just die to give you a ticket to heaven. I come to set you free as he wiggles the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Amen? I come that you would walk in divine purpose, not divine destruction of this world. Amen? That's our goal, to know him and to find freedom in him. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 4. It says, know or keep your heart with all diligence. Keep it, guard it, watch over it, keep it. For out of it spring the issues of life. Can I get an amen on that? Whichever way my heart's going, those eyes, if they're not clear in my heart, if they're not enlightened in my heart, whichever way that heart goes are the way the issues come up. There have been times when Jenny and I have argued years ago when at the end of the argument and the house is destroyed, we look at each other and go, what were we arguing about? I have no idea. But you yelled at me, so I yelled at you, and there we went off to the races. I bet it's been eight years, ten years since we've even had a big argument. There ain't nobody in my family that can say that. <laughs> and I say that not out of pride, but out of, hey, it can really happen. Jesus can change the crazy ones. He can change the weak ones. If we rely on him for freedom, we find freedom like we can't find anywhere else. Jenny, you're too late. I already told two stories on us. You can go back out in the lobby. All right. <laughs> James 5.16 says this. Yes, I'm just moving on. All right. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. What does that have to do with finding freedom? It has to do with the action step that we believe at South Point. It's the reason we've patterned our entire ministry this way. The action step is to get in a small group. This is a small portion what God wants to do in your life. A small group is where you're going to be able to exchange what's going on in God, what's really going on in your life. How do you really raise kids? How do you how do you not choke those little boogers out when they say, no, I'm not doing that? Well, here's how we do it. And you, you're able to sharpen one another. How do you take your next step in your faith? How do you grow? Hey, I've raised in church. I may be bored in church. How do I keep the fires burning? All of those different things, they happen in small groups. And not only that, when we talk about those things, we are able to pray about those things and help those things in our life. Listen, everybody, the, the 150, 200 people that are in here now, we look across this and we think nobody else has the same problem as me. And what happens, we get in the small group and we find out that everybody has very similar problems to me. 
and some of them have already been through it, and some of them are just starting into it, and all together we have empathy and sympathy for one another, and together we start praying for one another, and powerful things happen. I want to encourage you, if you're not in a small group, make it happen. Make it happen. Get in a small group. Mark your card. That's how I get it. Mark your communication card on your bulletin. Somebody will contact you. Shoot you a list of a bunch of them. Look through them. Pick through them. Hebrews 10, 24 says this. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is nearing. Let, let us think of ways that we can encourage one another. Let us get together. Let us motivate one another. Let us pray for one another. And let us help one another. And when we can do that, when I can look across this audience and go, oh, these 8 or 10 or 12 people, they're in my small group. These people are for me. These people actually know more mistakes that I made than most other people in the church. They prayed for us when we're sick. They visited us when my kids broke their ankles and knees and elbows. and all that. Like, like We have built a relationship with these people. It makes me strong. It makes me stronger in my faith. I want to encourage you, get in a small group. Amen? The third thing he says is that you may know the hope to which you're called. He says that in Ephesians 1. So the, the point of that is to discover purpose. I want you, everybody to say this right now. Say, I have a purpose. If there's no other purpose on this planet but the purpose God has for you, that's more than most people even understand. God has a purpose for you on this planet. Romans 12, 6 says we have different gifts according to the grace given us. That's what I alluded to earlier is that God has given everybody in this room gifts. Sometimes we call them personality traits. Sometimes we call them abilities. But he's given you things in your life that you're better at than the average Joe. And you're better at than the average person. And some people, as I, as I talked about earlier, with whether it's baseball or football or career or, you know, making money or selling cars or whatever that is, sometimes we think that's our purpose. But God helps us to understand that those gifts are just to guide us to our purpose. They're a vehicle, is the way we like to call it. They're a vehicle to our purpose. And what's great about that is we try to help define those at South Point. Here's the action step. Attend growth track. Attend growth track. Why, why would I ask you for three weeks? Three weeks in growth track. Week number one, because you find out who South Point is. Why we do the things that we do. Nobody in, in a state office is telling us how to run things. We're trying to run things that are most effective for our area. Things that we see what God's doing and how we can apply those in this area of Oklahoma. That's what we're doing. Week one. Week two, you, you get to take a spiritual, gift, spiritual gifts assessment. We don't test you on it. It's an assessment. You fill out how you respond to these things. And what it does, it ends up showing you people end up telling us, oh, I already knew this. I just didn't know that was the name. Or, oh, yeah, I can see where this is in my life. This is where I'm good at these things. And, and, a, and a personality test in there, the DISC test, which is really short, takes you about seven minutes. Is that right? Seven or ten minutes, something like that, real quick. And you begin to connect those two. Oh, here's my personality. Here's the gifts God's given me. I can really see the direction that God has been leading me in my life. And the whole purpose is to give you the vehicle and let you drive it into the purpose that God has for you. Aren't you glad your church has a little direction going on? I get so excited when I read scripture and go, we're doing that. <laughs> like we're, we're walking in what God has for us. We want to help you find what God has designed for you. Listen to what 
1 Peter 4.10 says this, God has given gifts to each of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. What if, what if, according to that scripture, what if how we use our gifts actually determines what else God can do in our lives? Can God's generosity flow through me? Not if I'm holding on to them. Not if I'm not using them. Not if they rush shut. But if I can work those things, if I can take a step and find where God wants to use me in this world, how he's using me, the gifts and the personality that he's given me for his purpose, God's just going to continually lead me and pour out his purpose and his gifts and his abilities in my life to figure out where I'm going, to help me accomplish his purpose in my life. Amen? It's good stuff. It's good stuff. The last one is this. All of these come together, knowing him, finding freedom, discovering your purpose for one reason. Make a difference. Make a difference. Real joy comes from making a difference in people's lives. I sat this week with a, a man, I won't call his name because I didn't ask for permission, but telling me the greatest things he's done in his life. He said, man, outside of my relationship with Jesus in, in my family, my wife and kids, outside of that, me being able to share with people, invite them to church or share my faith with them is the single greatest thing that I've ever experienced. And I would like to second that. It's the single greatest thing that we will ever experience is understanding, I think I just was a part of somebody coming to know Jesus like I know Jesus. I think I was just a step in their life of them knowing their purpose in life. God has designed each of us to make a difference in people's lives. He's designed you, connected you, gifted you to make a difference in people's lives. Listen to John chapter 15. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. It's exactly what Jesus designed us for. I can do lots of other things. I love going and do lots of other things. I, I love activities. I love lots of things. But you know, the greatest joy that I happen in my life is for other people, friends, family, people I care about, to see them take a step in their faith because of me and something that I've done in their life. It's the greatest thing. Even if I'm just there to witness it, it's the greatest single thing that I have in my life. My family, we're, we're the same way. We love to see and experience that. So what, what would be the action step at South Point? What, how can we live that out? Wouldn't it be great if your church would help you to live that out? We have something, and it's called the Dream Team. It's everybody at South Point that volunteers or serves in any capacity. You know why we call it the Dream Team? Because it helps us with our dream. Well, my ultimate dream is to be right where God wants me, right? And you know what God's ultimate dream is? When you're right where he wants you, you get to help somebody else be right where God wants them. And then if that dream happens, then they can help somebody else be where God wants them and where God's dreaming the next person and the next person and the next person. Listen, this whole following the Holy Spirit thing that we've been talking about all year, I mean all, all summer, is just that. It's just what's my next step? 
what's my next step? Maybe today you're in this room and your next step is to take a step of faith and not just hang out at church, but to open your life and surrender it to him. To actually start on the plan of knowing God. Wouldn't that be incredible? That may be your next step. It may be that I've introduced myself to God and I've opened the door and let him into my life, but I have so much baggage it's keeping me from growing. And today I need to find some freedom and lay that down so that without those things clouding my eyes, my heart, my spirit, that I can find my true purpose on this planet, which is making a difference in other people's lives for God. That's the ultimate test of following God's spirit. That's why at South Point we try to do everything we can. We, we go, does, that, does this ministry that we're starting help in this way? Because if it doesn't, then let's not start it. It's just some other busy something to do. If it will help people find their purpose and make a difference, we want to be a part of that. That's how I want to pray today. I want to finish with that. Ending this summer series after 10 weeks, can we pray and say, God, show me my next step. You may know it. You may have been listening all week or all day today, and God's speaking it to your heart already. But I want to pray that God would show us our next step. Listen, a church that knows their purpose, that is walking in Christ free, and that is making a difference in this world, you can't build buildings and stuff fast enough to house them all. Wouldn't that be a great problem to have at South Point? We have chairs set up in the lobby. We have 14 services a day. Scott preached himself, passed out into a coma because too many messages. That's great. Yes, Lord. Amen. Because I'm not put here to be comfortable. I'm put here to change people's lives. We've discovered our purpose. It's walking in what God has for us. The gifts that God's given us. The abilities God's given us. To speak. To forgive. To love. To assist. To have mercy. Or to pray. For the thousands of other gifts. Use those gifts. Allow God's grace to flow through you. Touch your life. Bring that joy, the same joy Jesus said that he found by fulfilling God's purpose, he wants us to find. So that you walk through this world, not just on Sundays excited, but you go to work on Monday excited, hanging out with your family on Thursday excited, because you know God's got me here for a reason. I have a purpose. What's your next step today? That'd be my goal as a pastor, my prayer for you, that we would find our next step, get in the saddle, Ride that to the next step. Change horses. Ride that to the next step. And keep growing in our faith. Amen. Lord, we love you today. We're so thankful for your grace and your mercy. We're so thankful that it doesn't just stop there, though. That really you have a plan for us. I understand what Paul said. It's uh, Knowing your will is like looking through a tinted glass. We see part of it. But by faith, we have to step out and see the other part. By seeing what your word says, Lord, today. By seeing what our gifts are and our personality is. That you have a purpose for us. That we, the church, the big church, the worldwide church, we're the hope of this world. Lord, I pray that through that you'd help everyone in this room today take another step in you, in our faith. pray your spirit would lead us, guide us, teach us and train us. As we clear the eyes of our heart, 
things we lay down, things that have kept us bound, as we surrender totally to you, pray that your spirit, Lord, would lead us. Lead us today to our next step in you. We want to know you, Lord. When this is all over, we come walking up to you, however that's going to work. We want you to call out our name. But you already know us. You've been watching us, been listening to us. Accomplish your will on this planet. It's in your name that we